Good morning, and join me, if you would, in the book of Numbers, chapter 18. The book of Numbers, chapter 18. On your way there, would you stop by Luke, chapter 9? I'm so thankful for being able to sit in the Bible class this morning, and I have several pages of notes that were given. And one of them, as he spoke, Brother Mike spoke of that transfiguration. And in the book of Luke chapter 9, we have the conversation that went on between the Lord and Moses and Elijah. And it tells us here in the book of Luke chapter 9, verse 30, And behold, there talked with him in his glorified state two men, which were Moses and Elias, or Elijah, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease. Only one time in the New Testament is that Greek word used or translated, and it's right here. And if you look it up in Greek, it's E-X-O-D-U-S. Exodus, his exodus, that he should accomplish at Jerusalem. Now, I just wanted to say that because we spend quite a bit of our time in the Old Testament and the prophet Moses and all the prophets and all the Psalms had that same summation about the gospel. They spoke of Christ. They preached of Christ. They declared Christ. Now, they may not have known him by that term because it's a Greek term, but they knew him by the Messiah, the Hebrew term. So as we go back to the book of of the book of uh, Numbers chapter 18, we just want to pick up what the gospel has to say about our Lord and Savior out of the book of Numbers. And in this passage of scripture, I, I was just, sometimes you just are overwhelmed by what you find. I, uh, I, I just can't imagine what it would be like to be out in the middle of the desert and come upon a spring of good water and be able to just Get down in there and get all that good, cold, clean spring water after you've just traveled through the desert. Well, a lot of people look at the Old Testament as a desert, but we're thankful that we can come up on a spring. And here in our reading today in the book of Numbers chapter 18, we have a wonderful spring. It just shares with us some of the wonderful blessings that we have in Christ And it is here in the book of Numbers chapter 18, and I want to start reading with verse 8. Numbers chapter 18, beginning with verse 8, and we have these words recorded for us. And sometimes as we read the Old Testament, we need to ask ourselves, what does this mean to me? Because it's left for us. Now, if it wasn't of any value, if it wasn't of any benefit, if it wasn't any good, we wouldn't have it. But since it is here, there is spiritual benefits for us. I appreciated what was mentioned about that passage over in the book of 1 Corinthians. That, and Romans brings it out too, that if we do not have a regenerated mind, we are just, we're just beating the air, trying to come up with some conclusions about the Word of God. But the Holy Spirit reveals unto us the good blessings of the gospel in all the Word. I'm reminded from time to time that that is all that the Apostle Peter, the Lord Jesus, Paul ever preached from was the Old Testament. They did not have it as we do. In the book of Numbers chapter 18, verse 8, the word of the Lord says, And the Lord spake unto Aaron, 
Behold, I also have given thee the charge of mine heave offerings, of all the hallowed things of the children of Israel. Unto thee have I given them by reason of the anointing, and to thy sons by an ordinance forever. This shall be thine of the most holy things, reserved from the fire, every oblation of theirs, every meat offering of theirs, and every sin offering of theirs, and every trespass offering of theirs, which they shall render unto me shall be most holy for thee and for thy sons. Not every sacrifice was totally consumed by fire. Some of it was just parts, and the meat that was left over was dedicated to Aaron and to his sons and families. That belonged to them. That was how they were taken care of. Remember, when they go into the land, they're not going to be given a part of a piece of property. All the other tribes were going to be given pieces of property, but they were going to be given some cities, but that they were taken care of. If we go back over to the book of Genesis, we find out that they paid tithes in Abraham, by Abraham, to Melchizedek. They had already had their tithes taken care of. They had already paid what the Lord was going to require out of the rest of the Israelites. And that is just how God does his business with us. All that we owed had already been taken care of had been taken care of in Christ, would be taken care of by Christ at the cross, is all placed upon him. All right, as we travel a little further into this, uh, verse 10, and the most holy place shall thou eat, and it every male shall eat it, and shall be holy unto thee. And this is thine, the heave offering, and their gift, and the wave offerings, and the uh, of the children of Israel, I have given them unto thee and to thy sons and to thy daughters with thee by statute forever, every one that is clean in thy house shall eat of it. Now notice verse 12 and verse 13. All the best of the oil. And all the best of the wine. And of the wheat, the firstfruits of them, which they shall offer unto the Lord, them have I given thee. And whatsoever is the first ripe in the land, which, shall bring unto, uh, which they shall bring unto the Lord, shall be thine. Every one that is clean in thy house shall eat of it. Everything devoted in Israel shall be thine. As I read that, I said, that was some gift. <laughs> the best oil, all the best of the oil, and all the best of the wine, and all the first uh, reaped wheat. Well, I know this about those promises that God made to Aaron and to his family, that God fulfilled them. Because we read in the scriptures that not one good word that he ever promised to Israel did he not keep. I, we read this just recently, but I'd like to review just a little bit. Turn with me to the book of Joshua, if you would. Joshua chapter 21. In Joshua chapter 21, we have these words. And Joshua was a true witness of this. He was one that left Egypt. 
He's one that entered into the promised land. He's one that led Israel all the rest of the days of his life. And he, as he comes to the close of his life, he looks back over the whole history of Israel since they were released from Egypt and looked at that and he says, I've got a conclusion to make. I've got a statement to make about all of that. And it's found here in the book of Joshua chapter 21. Joshua chapter 21 verse 44 Would you read this with me? And then we're going to read another passage here in Joshua that's almost like it. Joshua chapter 21 and verse 44. And he says, The Lord gave them rest round about according to all that he swore unto their fathers. He made a promise. And now we have Joshua looking at it and saying, Everything he said is kept. Not one good thing did he ever promise did he not give to them goes on to say here, And there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. Verse 45, There failed not aught, not one, not one syllable, not one letter of all the promises that God gave to Israel did he not keep. There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord has spoken unto the house of Israel, All came to pass. Now, when he said that to Aaron and to his sons, I'm giving you the best of the oil, I'm giving you the best of the wine, and I'm giving you the first fruit of all the wheat, God kept that promise. And you know what? He's still doing it. From a spiritual vantage point, he's still giving his people all the best. He holds back nothing. All right, another passage here in the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 23 and verse 14. Joshua's coming close to the end of his life. And in Joshua chapter uh, 23 and verse 14, we have these words, And behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth. Now, he'd been say- he could have said that for quite a while because, you know, we're all there. <laughs> we're starting the end of our life. And yet he says, this day I'm going the way of all the earth. He says, I'm approaching my final days. And I want to recap the history of Israel as I've seen it from the time we left Egypt to today. He says there, you know in all your hearts and in all your souls, if you sit down and recount, if you go over it, You may grumble and gripe like your fathers did, but you sit down and think about it. You'll find out that God has kept every promise he ever said he would keep. There failed not one good thing of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. All are come to pass unto you, and not one thing hath failed thereof. Now what is that for me? It is just God keeps his promises. God has never gone back on his promise. God promised Israel, God promised Aaron and his children all of the best of the oil, the best of the wine, and the first fruits of all the wheat. You will be given the very best. All that are clean in your household will get to participate too. Well, we find out that there were certain that were not clean. They were certain that were not, you know, just because we say, we're clean. If the Lord hasn't cleaned us up, we're not clean. We eat whatever we say. And Solomon said the same thing about 
when he dedicated the temple, everything God ever promised has always taken place. I like what we read in 2 Kings chapter 10 and verse 10. When we read this, 2 Kings chapter 10 and verse 10. Would you turn there with me? Know now. I want you to know this. You, you know it, but I want you to know it. Know now that there shall fall unto the earth nothing of the word of the Lord. You know, sometimes it looks like it's just being fallen out on nothing's happening. The Lord said, not one word has fallen to this earth. The prophet was given these words, that the word of God, it accomplishes exactly whereunto he has sent it. So here we have that promise made here in the book of 2 Kings chapter 10 and verse 10, that there shall fail, fall unto the earth nothing of the word of the Lord, which the Lord spake concerning the house of Ahab. Now, if he spake concerning the house of Ahab, who was a very bad house, what could he say about the house of the Lord, which is his children? So he continues to share with us throughout the scriptures. And as he did to Aaron there in, in Numbers chapter 18, I'm going to give you the best. Now, let's go back over there for just a moment and notice a couple of things else. Just underline them. In the book of Numbers chapter 18, verse 9. The book of Numbers chapter 18 and verse 9, we have these words. Numbers chapter 18, verse 9, it says, Thus this shall be thine of the most holy things. This shall be thine. Verse 11, and this is thine. And verse 12, all the best of the oil and all the best of the wine and of the wheat, the first fruits of them which shall offer, them have I given thee. And in verse 14 of this same passage, everything devoted in Israel shall be thine. Four times in a very short distance, the Lord says, this is yours. This is yours and this is yours. Well, we, when we come to the gospel age, and the gospel has always been declared, Abel heard the gospel. Abel believed God. It was counted unto him for righteousness. Abel understood what was going on. Abel understood there's a Messiah coming. Abel had that taught to him by the Holy Spirit. We find here that as God promised to the children of Aaron, Aaron to his children, all this belongs to you, we find out that God has made the same promises in the New Testament to the church, which also apply to every saved person in the Old Testament. We find in the book of Revelation, chapter 1. Join me there in this great book of Revelation, chapter 1. It shares with us about his gift to the church, his gift to us, as he did to Aaron. He made him a priest to his sons. They made him priests. And here in the book of Revelation, chapter 1 and verse 5, God shares through his minister, John. He says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests. I think that would have been better translated king priests. He's made us king priests. 
That's what he does for the church. He makes everyone that he causes the grace of God to shine upon king priests. He goes on to tell us there in that same verse of Scripture in verse 6, king priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Well, the Bible has much to say about these blessings, and he has much to say about the best of the oil, the best of the wine, and the first fruits of all the grain. That means everything. The best. Every bit of the best of the oil and every bit of the best of the wine. Now, we could look at the figure of, that those things represent. Oil. We find that's the Holy Spirit. We find uh, wine. That's what Melchizedek brought out for Abraham. Bread and wine. The gospel brought out the God. We have the every bit of the Holy Spirit and every bit of the gospel and every bit of the first fruits of the grain, the bread of life. We have it all. Well, let's just go to a passage of Scripture that shares with us a whole bunch of it. Not all of it, but we're going to go to and look at the best that we have here in the Scripture. And that's to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. Would you turn there with me? In Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to begin reading, we, sh we should read the whole chapter, but some of that you're going to have to do is homework. The book of Ephesians, as we think about what was given to Aaron, and to his sons, and to his family, I'm giving you the best of the oil, I'm giving you the best of the wine, and I'm giving you the first fruits of all the grain that goes to you. Well, here in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, the Apostle Paul was led to write this wonderful book to the church of the saints at Ephesus and say, this is what God is to us. This is what God has given us. This is the best of the oil. This is the best of the wine. And this is the first fruits of all the wheat that was given to Aaron over there. Now, j just think for a moment. <laughs> if God was going to do that for Aaron under the law... Just think what he's going to do for the church under grace. I don't drink much oil. And I don't drink much wine. I do love bread, though. But when it comes to the spiritual blessings, God said, I've given you every spiritual blessing. Every. Here in the book of Ephesians... Chapter 1, what glorious words are written for the saints. In verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all the wine, all the oil, and all the first fruits of the grain. What's he say here? I have blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. I'm giving you everything. There will be nothing held back. And in fact, all that was ever written about God keeping his promises is under this. By an oath, he could swear by no greater. He swore by himself, I will give you all of this. This is yours. This belongs to the church. By no works, by no merit, only by free grace and God's great will does he give this to the church. 
And here we read in verse 4, he starts to give to us the, some of the essence of these great blessings, what it is to have all the oil and what it is to have all the wine and what it is to have the first fruits of the grain, what it means to the church today to have these things. He said in verse 4, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. And you know the church delights in that. This, this is the best oil I've ever had. This is the best wine I've ever had. And this is the best first fruits that's ever been given. And all the good fruit that God had ever promised Aaron in the Old Testament is mine from a spiritual standpoint. And I have every spiritual blessing. I read in his word and I can delight in his word that he took care of a problem that I could not take care of. We are all in the problem as children of Adam and we are without help and without hope and without God and we have a mind that can't comprehend and we have a spirit that is dead and God comes along and reconciles us and makes us new in Christ Jesus and as a result of that, okay, you have all the best oil and you have all the best wine and you have the first fruits of all the grain given to you. And he sums it up by saying, well, let's just start. Let's just delineate. Let's enumerate. Let's go across the board and say, let's see what you have. And Paul was used to write, he chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world. Unable to make the choice on your own. You couldn't even see that there was a choice. The only choice we had was death. And yet, he says, I'll take care of that for my church because I've already promised the very best of the very best of the very best. According as he hath chosen us before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now, I don't understand completely what it is to be holy, because I'm holy as he is holy, but I still can't comprehend it. But you know what? I really appreciate that I'm no longer in the blame, <laughs> that that's been taken care of. What does it say there? He said, we're holy and without blame. He's taken care of the blame that was against us. The sin that was against us, the charge of sin against us, he's taken care of it. And that's all the best oil, all the best wine, and all the first fruits of all the grain. I've given you everything. All right, let's just go on down here and look at this. In verse 5, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children. Having predestinated us. You know... This goes before Genesis 1.1. This goes before what we find in the book of Genesis, before God gave us some history to look at. I like the old meaning of history. His story. God's story. History. Before history, he said, I've predestinated you unto the adoption of children. Strangers from the covenant of promise, but I have adopted you. I've put you in my line. That's a wonderful thing about adoption. The choice is on purpose. Many people have children. 
But adoption means I chose you. And that's what God did. He chose his people before the foundation of the world. Having predestinated us to predetermine, to decide beforehand, God decreeing from eternity, foreordination, appointed beforehand. God took care of that all, knowing full well that we were incapable of doing that for ourselves. We would never turn over an automobile to a two-year-old. We'd never turn over an automobile to an eight-year-old. It's just out of their league. I remember a daughter of mine starting, oh, putting the car, it was left running. She put it in reverse and back through a church building. Tore a whole wall out. Now, we wish that that hadn't happened. (laughs) It's irresponsible on our part. We didn't turn the engine off. But you know what? All the problems that we face by nature were taken care of by Almighty God when he said, I've done this before the world began. I'm giving you the best oil, and you didn't even have to squeeze the olives. I'm giving you the best wine, and you didn't squeeze the grapes. And I'm giving you the first fruit, and you didn't even have to go out and gather it. All of it's taken care of. He has predestinated. Now, Tuesday, Nancy's planning to fly to Houston and then to Jackson, Mississippi. And you know what? When you make the ticket, that's your plans. We would never get on an airplane, I don't think, when they said, we don't know where we're going. I don't know where we're going to end up. We'll go to the fuel runs out. We may do that on a lark. We may do that for fun, but we're not going to do that when we expect it to be in a place. So we want a predestinated flight. Well, that's what God took care of before the foundation of the world. And then he says in verse 6, some more of this best of the oil and the best of the wine and the first fruits of all of the grain and the first ripe fruit. He says in verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace. Oh, how this comes into play. How this is so necessary. The only reason for him choosing a people is his sovereign grace and his goodwill. And nothing from us. To the praise. All of this is to the praise of the glory of his grace. Wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. His grace. I remember going to the deacon of the church when the Lord saved me and telling him, you know, I really can't describe what's happened to me, but I can tell you this, I know more about grace than I've ever known. I used to spend hours looking in Strong's and Thayer's and all the other, trying to come to a definition of grace, and it was just, it was just not being able to be described until the Lord saved me. And I said, I have no more about grace, and I still can't explain it. It's God's absolute unmerited favor to people that are angry with him, hateful towards him. That's grace. We might be gracious to people, but not many of them that are spitting in our face or swearing at us or trying to run us over with a car. But God did that for his people, and they're trying to do all of that to him. Verse 7. In whom, in whom we have redemption. Now this word is 
a word that we don't talk about much because it, it goes back to slave days. That's where this word came from. It goes back to slavery. It goes back to being a slave. This word redemption is the payment of ransom. Liberation procured by a payment of ransom. This word was used with slaves when someone came and purchased them and bought them out of bondage and brought them out of that life and gave them a new life. This is a wonderful word when it comes to our salvation. Have ransom, redemption. It was paid. We have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Now that is all the best oil and all the best wine and all the first fruits of the grain. What does he say there? According to the riches of his grace. There's no end to it. It is ever abounding. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Here we have the greatest, the most highest, the exalted grace of God procuring redemption for all of his people, paying completely and totally for all their sin. No one can tell anyone that knows the gospel that you'll have to answer for that sin because if we do, we'll never see God. If we have to answer for one, even the slightest, most least infraction, God has made it so that when we stand before him, there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ. There's no, he's not going to be a, a historian bringing up the past. The past has been taken care of. We stand before him clean, without spot or without wrinkle. There will be nothing that will be charged to our account. For it is he that justifieth. And so we have full and complete redemption. It doesn't mean that we don't mourn over our sin in our life right now, but there will be no charge held against us. As Brother Mike brought out there in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, when we shall be like him, there will be no charge against us. There will only be a welcome. Welcome to the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Enter, enter, enter. Everyone that's there on that side will be welcomed into the kingdom of God. Nobody, oh, you got a little fuzz right there. We're going to have to take care of that before. We're going to put you in this place over here for a short time. No, no, that's not going to happen. In verse 8, my, wherein hath abounded. That word abounded is super abound in quantity and quality superabounded in quantity and quality, more than we can imagine. You know, the same word is used in Matthew chapter 14. Would you join me in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 20? Matthew chapter 14 and verse 20. This is when the Lord fed a bunch of people. And they, everybody is full to capacity. They'd been invited to a meal that they didn't have to pay for. <laughs> All you can eat. And you know what that means? They overate. <clears throat> but notice this. Matthew chapter 14, verse 20. And they did all eat and were filled. They took up the fragments that remained 12 baskets full. And that word fragments means overmuch, abounded. This is what abounded over. 
the fact of his turning that little bit into so much and all of these people, 5,000 men at one time, plus women and children, all ate to their capacity and this is what's left over. It also mentions in the book of Luke the same thing. It is they, what was and to spare. They ate and what was left over to spare. You know what that means to us? Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. It covers everything. I'm giving you the best of the oil, the best of the wine, and all the first fruits of the grain. I'm giving you all the Holy Spirit. I'm giving you all of the gospel. And I'm giving you all of the Son of God for a ransom for you. Verse 9 of the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 9 of Ephesians chapter 1. We have these words that are so glorious, having made known unto us. That's the first time we got to see light. It's the first time we got to see the world as it really is. It's the first thing that God does for us, having made known unto you. We've been taught of God, and everyone that is taught of God is brought to Jesus Christ. If we're not taught of God, we will not come. But when we're taught of God, we will come. Everyone that is taught of God shall come and made known unto us. What? The mystery of his will. What is the mystery of his will? The gospel. Gospel hid from so many, but made known unto the church. They are permitted to see. Recently I was asked, what was different when the Lord saved you? You know, the only thing I can say is everything. The Bible was a totally different book. God was a totally different God. Sin was horrific. Heaven was wonderful. Hell was right for me. The only people I've ever been around that truly believed that they had, God had every right to send people to hell are those who deserved it. And that's us. We deserved that. And yet... God in his mercy delivered us from sin and all the consequences of it hath made known unto us the mystery of his will. Notice this. According to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself. All of this is in God's good purpose. All of it is in God's good plan. No, we read over there in the book of Acts chapter 2. That he was delivered, delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. When was that? Before the foundation of the world. He was already delivered. He's already a lamb slain from the foundation where he's delivered by the counsel of God. In the covenant of grace, the Messiah was delivered. In the covenant of grace, delivered to carry out God's eternal purpose and lay down his life a ransom for many. And therefore we have all the best of the oil, the best of the wine, and all of the first fruits of the grain. God making known unto the children, Adam, made known unto us his will, the mystery of his will, by preaching of the gospel, by the illumination of the Holy Spirit, made known unto the church, the gospel, the whole doctrine of grace and salvation by Christ. I know a lot of people that had the 
doctrines of grace. They were convinced of it. And they, I can't tell you how many people have asked me, when did you see the doctrines of grace? Well, in religion, I saw the doctrines of grace and became a, a strong agitator about it. You know, salvation makes us mellow. Salvation takes the argument out. Salvation is a declaration. The gospel of God's free grace is a declaration. He makes known unto us the mystery of God and Christ and the mystery of the gospel of God and man put together in a glorious manner that he alone could lay down his life a ransom for many. He tells us that there's a union between Christ and man. God's internal call, the mystery. And then in verse 10 of this passage of Scripture, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ. Might gather together the elect from the four corners of the world into one body. And there's complete and full agreement that he is the best of the oil, the best of the wine, and the best of the first fruits that are given. We heard read over there in the book of Genesis chapter 15, as we look here in verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. I am thy exceeding great reward. It takes care of the rewards issue. The gospel takes care of all it. It's not trying to outdo anybody. It's not trying to gain a position. It's not trying to... Uh, you'll get rewarded for that. The Lord's already taken care of that. Welcome. Come, ye blessed of my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And to learn that he predestinated a people according to his purpose... And he declares all his works from all time as his will, purposed in his will. We read over in the book of James. Would you join me in James chapter 1? As we find even our brother James was given this message. James chapter 1 and verse 17. Here it says, every, every good gift, all the best of the wine, all the best of the oil, all the first fruits of the grain." Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. What does that mean? Faith, repentance, glorification, all of the spiritual gifts are from above. We don't dig them up. They are dropped on us. They're placed in us. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, dropped down. From the Father of lights. Now here's what we have. And since I do this, I'm the one that there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. I will, I have promised, I will give every spiritual blessing. The Lord spake unto Aaron and says, you know, there's three to six million people out here, and you know what they're going to do for you? All the best of the oil. You're not going to have to squeeze out one olive. 
all the best of the wine, you're not going to have to squeeze out one grape. And all the best of the first fruits of the grain, you're not going to have to harvest one kernel. It will all be taken care of for you. I will make sure of it. I'll promise it. I will give it. As we read over there, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And we read there in the book of Numbers chapter 18. Aaron, this is yours. Well, we go on and we find out there's going to be more. This is just the beginning. I'm going to give you all of the best of the oil and all the best of the wine and all the first fruit of the grain and the first fruits of the harvest. I'm giving that. That is yours. And he promised it four times in seven verses. This is yours. This is thine. You'll have it. And we find out throughout the scriptures that's what the church has possession of right now. God be praised for what he has done for the church. And the church acknowledges the fact, I made not one contribution. I had nothing to give, and he has everything to bless me with. So he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Read the rest of Ephesians chapter 1. Read Ephesians chapter 2, 3, 4, and 5. Read Genesis to Revelation. You'll get the same message. I have given you all the best. You have nothing to contribute. My son has been appointed this position in the covenant of grace. He has carried it out. And to show the success of him carrying it out, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father right now making intercession for you. I've given you the best. Brother Mike, if you'll come.